Well, holy shit, I actually managed to do it. After procrastinating for ages, I finally managed to produce an audiobook version of the Lunatic Fringe book. It's currently available on all Amazon sites, audible.com, and shortly on iTunes. And if you're the page-turning type, it's also, of course, still available in Kindle form, paperback, and uh, hardback on Amazon. Ten hours and ten years worth of Blue Skies Magazine's articles, all available to you right fucking now, including a few author's notes and even an apology or two. Enjoy. In a world... Mate, hold up. We said we're done with the serious intros. Who's it? Well, we did. I don't remember that. Well, I said it, and you're me, so, you know. Well, I don't care. In a world... Uh, hey, I told you. We're keeping it light. You do it on your own, then. Well, technically, I already am, so... Anyway, fuck yeah, pure wild flight. Get it down, ya. How good? Visit nzaerosports.com. I get to do the next one. Well, obviously, you moron, we both do. Of course. I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe, there's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model, or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot, the Crossfire 3 when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch, the JFX 2 if you're looking to up your new swoop game, the Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast, or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low pack volume canopy specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So, the equipment is top-of-the-line kick-ass stuff, as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com, and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void and a reluctant smiling face on the end of this line. Let's start it out. Tell me who the fuck are you and what do you do? So I'm Jenna. I'm uh, from Switzerland, and most of you probably know me as the orange-black flying wingsuit pilot. 
Nice. Nice. Yes, I have seen your work. It's terrifying. Terrifying? <laughs> no, it's really, it's super, super cool. I've, I've watched the stuff that you've done for quite some time and it's, it's pretty damn impressive. Thank you. Well, yes. I try to make it as, as, or look as safe as possible though, even though you say it looks terrified. Well, again, that's only from someone that's never actually done it. So I suppose it's like somebody that's never jumped saying that skydiving looks terrifying. Same thing. Yeah, that's true. I agree. <laughs> So uh, I got you here because a mutual friend of ours threw you totally under the bus. Um, but I would like to point out that he's also been one of the most drunk guests I've ever had. And uh, any regular listeners will know by uh, his um, atrocious butchering of lyrics when he sang for me. Well, I did listen to the podcast. Huh? And uh, do we mention a name or not? Or yeah. Not? Oh, Tai Huka. Tai. <laughs> Absolutely. The the crazy Kiwi, man, uh, that I had to get drunk and make play the guitar in order to not fuck up our podcast. To be fair, it was really entertaining, huh? I loved it. I knew it was gold as it was being recorded. I was just in heaven. Yeah, I think I do need to say I started with the second podcast and I didn't listen to the first one yet. Oh, well, so and he may have told you this, but technically that was his third podcast because yeah. the first one he did was so bad I couldn't air it. Yes. He, yeah. he said so he basically said to me, like, look, you cannot be like any worse than I was. So <laughs> trust me, you're already doing better. <laughs> Thank you. That's a uh, very good words. Like, I really appreciate it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, so let's, uh, I'll tell you, let's start it off like I always do. I want to hear about how you got started, not necessarily in skydiving and in bass, but in anything extreme. Well, technically skydiving for me is the first, uh, let's say, extreme thing I'm doing. And it happened um, actually very casually. Uh, on a Friday evening, my neighbor asked me if I would like to join him on a skydive. And, um, you know, I wasn't really aware that skydiving is a thing. Mm. And I joined him, you know, I think I already had a couple of beers uh, in this. So <laughs> we went to this little airfield uh, close to my place in Switzerland. We did a tandem and I was hooked straight away. Without any idea what you were getting yourself into. I landed and I knew, okay, this is something I need to do by myself. Mm. So literally two weeks later, I started with the AFF. I mean, I can't, I mean, I started out in a, a pretty, actually a, a great place for views uh, over the high desert in Las Vegas, which was a, a pretty stunning place with Lake Mead and the strip in the background. But I can't imagine doing your first jump in fucking Switzerland. Well, you know, you get used to the scenery and stuff huh? like it's not, I know everybody's always saying like oh my god you're like you're so privileged you're in Switzerland and stuff like yes I agree but if you if you look at the mountains every single day you're getting used to it with sure. everything like it's it's the same with everything else not that I don't enjoy it anymore but um yeah, it's it's home, you know. Sure. Well, a little bit different for you, for sure. But I mean, I, I imagine there there must have been a number of times in the beginning of your skydiving career when you had to have a different appreciation for the mountains from thousands of meters above them. Yeah, that's true, and especially also because we do have like some different, you know, kind of areas. Some areas are very flat, so you only see the mountains from far. But when you actually go like to a drop zone in the mountains, it's really like, oh my God, like this is crazy. It has to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. For sure. So now being born and raised in Switzerland, I'd imagine you were a lifelong skier or snowboarder as well. Yes. Yeah. I actually, I think I'm skiing and snowboarding since I'm four years old. Okay. So it's kind of funny because obviously nowadays, most people don't think of skiing and snowboarding as an extreme sport, but there was a time when it absolutely was considered that. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it sort of still is, especially when you go off the slopes. Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm aware like that actually here in Switzerland, I think skiing and snowboarding, they have a lot more accidents than, than uh, for example, in base. Of course. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and you can play the numbers game and say a lot more people ski and snowboard, but still, 
I mean, uh, you can just break it down and even smaller and probably more people die hitting trees every year. For sure. And I think what's a, like a massive issue is a lot of people do the like the oppress key and they go on the slopes a bit tipsy or even drunk. And that's when the like the big, big accidents happen. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, skiing, it's it's par for the course to stop for lunch and have yeah. a drink. You know, yeah. especially in Europe where everybody's drinking wine for lunch and, you know, whether you're skiing in Switzerland or Italy and all this. Right. I mean, it's. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's true. Yeah. And um, especially the French people. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, French and Italian. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yes. Yeah, you know, and only saying that one or two glasses of wine for lunch is no big deal. Well, it's not if yeah. you're just strolling around, but it is if you're skiing yeah. down a fucking mountain. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Especially I, I would feel these two or three glasses for sure. 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 So two weeks after that first jump, you sign up for your AFF. And how did the AFF course treat you? How was it? Well, I think, you know, the first two, three jumps, I had no idea what I was doing. Like, you know, you're just, you're just getting thrown out of a plane and somehow you just trust your two instructors. But uh, it took me a while to start realizing what's going on. Mm. But I mean, I loved it from jump number one. It was for me something really fascinating. You know, I was always uh, into flying, especially helicopters. Um, but somehow the capability, like flying by yourself, even though doing AFF, you're literally just falling down. Um, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's it was really fascinating for me, like from from jump number one. Sure. What did the what did the family think when you got into skydiving? Was this something that they were oh sure go at it or were there pushback? They were, they were a bit afraid first because obviously I was the first like person in the family uh, wanting to skydive, but then I actually changed their opinion uh, about that must be let me think four years later when I did my tandem rating and I took my mom and my dad for a skydive. Oh wow, that had to be cool. Yeah, it was, you know, I, I never pushed them to skydive because I said, if you guys want to skydive, it needs to be your idea. Mm. But uh, somehow when I was in Australia, uh, because my parents visited, they both said, you know what? I think now it's the time we really want to experience why you really love what you're doing. So uh, I, I took my dad first, which was amazing. My mom was a bit uh, more hectic. <laughs> Um, but it was fun. And, and at the end, they both, you know, they said, you know, it's not something we really need to do again, but they understand my thought behind it. It's amazing that uh, uh, there's something that with just one um, one time going through it, just one experience in skydiving can give someone a complete understanding of somebody else's motivation, even yeah. if they don't want to do it. Yeah. I don't think there's very many things like that. No, I don't think so either. But that's exactly the reason why I never really tried to convince them of what I'm doing. I just said, you know what? I let time work. And whenever they they are going to approach me and they think like, hey, we would like to share this experience with you. It's fine. But, you know, also if, if my mom would have said, sorry, I cannot do it. I, I'm okay with this. Sure. But sure. now, by now, I have the like I have a hundred percent support from my parents. That's because awesome. They they trust me like, which is great. But sure. it wasn't always like this at the beginning. <laughs> well, now you said uh, the process from AFF to getting your tandem rating was about four years. How did you segue into getting to the point in the sport where getting a tandem rating was something you wanted to do? Basically, because I used to work in advertising agencies for about eight years, like that was my original job, um, being like a marketing planner. Mm. And I never really enjoyed the fact of being in front of a laptop from Monday mm. to Friday. You know, I was a bit, you know, getting itchy feet, like I would like to move my body. Mm. And then basically, I tried to find out how you could make a living from skydiving and obviously, tandems is the first thing, you know, you know how it goes, it's sure. the first thing yeah, which comes to mind. Um, and that's why I was basically working uh, to get, uh, what was it, five or 600 tandems? I can't 500, remember. yeah, 500 jumps, I think. Yeah, to get that as quick as possible uh, so I can get my license. Okay, so you were, you 
were like, you know something, I'm pushing specifically for this. So for people like me, I avoided the tandem uh, equation for as long as I could. And a lot of people get into jumping, never thinking of getting tandems, but you were aiming straight for it. Well, the thing is, the first aim I had was flying wingsuits after mm. the 200 jumps. But obviously, like in 2011, I think that was like, I had no clue that you could become a wingsuit coach. You know, that was just like, oh, okay, I fly a bit of fabric and it's fun. But I didn't see or I didn't know anyone who actually makes a living from wingsuit coaching. Mm. So that's why I said, you know what, I fly wingsuits, but whenever I can, I need to get my tandem riding that I so I can actually work at the drop zone. Sure. Well, 2011 was pretty, it wasn't early on in wingsuiting, but it's still back there quite a ways. I mean, yeah, I think it made a big, big uh, evolution, like from 11 to now is like huge. Yeah, it's it's like sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, true. I started in 11. It's it's crazy, like what happened, like within all these years. Oh yeah, I talked to the Squirrel Boys, and uh, I equated it to um, using the analogy of skiing and snowboarding. Uh, Wingsuiting yeah. was a lot like snowboarding. Us skiers, like me, were like, "Get the fuck off my mountain! You're ruining my moguls." And yeah. and then it became, of course, its own sport in in its own right. And wingsuiting kind of did the exact same thing. Yeah, I agree. It's, uh, I mean. Already, if you if you compare the suits from 2011 to now, like to now, it's just like, what was this in 11? Just a piece of loose fabric. It's, yep. It yeah, was. Yeah. It, it was a fancy camera wing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it looked a bit like camera wings, right? That's yep. true. So as you're getting ready to go do your tandem rating, this is still a number of years ago. Did you get pushed back for being a woman getting her tandem rating or was it getting normalized? Oh, no, 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 for sure. Like, what did I hear? Like, oh, you're not strong enough. Uh, you're a female and, uh, you know, it's hard work. But the thing is, my drop zone in Switzerland, they really needed women because uh, the customers over there um, are from oriental countries or asian and some of the women do want to jump with a female mm. so i was lucky that this job son actually wanted a second uh, tandem instructor um, as a female but uh, it wasn't the easy road huh? it's no it's definitely not i mean i remember uh helping friends all the way back in 2004 uh preparing to get their tandem ratings and yeah. spending time in the gym, um, trying to build up uh, strength and, and uh, endurance with muscles that you would use in tandems. But more than anything, it was getting past the mental block of being told forever that women shouldn't be doing this shit. Yeah, I mean, I'm still I still have the opinion that it's not really about the strength, but the technique you're having, especially when it comes to landing. Yeah. But obviously, uh, being fit and having some muscles, especially for the parts in the plane, you know, with making the harness tight and so on, there it helps. But, oh, for sure. But I think as long as you have the height, because if you're very small, I think it's a bit tricky. Sure. But, but as long as you're having a decent height, it, uh, it, it works. You know, you just need to to do it. Sure. Well, finesse is a huge thing for sure. W one of the things that still catches me off guard, because I haven't done tandems in quite some time. Um, the motto that I used to have for tandems was dress for success. Cause I'm only yeah. five foot nine, not particularly tall. Uh, so even on hot summer days, I'd wear a jumpsuit with drag and I never got taken out of control more than, you know, a, a roll here or a flip there yeah. because I had big arms and big legs to to fly through it. But yeah. now everybody flies in fucking swoop shorts and t-shirts. Uh, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say the finesse level has increased so much more, you know, yeah. and the, the flying ability has increased so much more, which is a wonderful thing to see. Yeah. But I remember like, because I, I also had to use a really massive baggy suit but then I think at the end of 200 jumps or something, I was also in uh, shorts, even sure. with my like skinny legs. <laughs> it's it's funny. I just got caught in that loop of this is how I fly. And I, I flew a really thin suit and it did the trick for me. And I stuck yeah. with it for 8,000 tandems. You know, I mean, uh, I would have felt naked in, in swoop shorts and a T-shirt. Yeah. Well, I, to be fair, I did stop after 500 tandems. Did you? Smart girl. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, at some point I had this this choice between do I want to work in the wingsuit tunnel or do I want to stick being a tandem instructor? So it was a very easy choice. I was going to say that wasn't a tough one, was it? No. <laughs> I mean, if, I can, if I can fly wingsuits, then I will always choose the wingsuit. So now how did the uh, evolution of wingsuits uh, come about for you as you're, you know, chucking drogues and doing all this? How how did you make time to get to the point where you could go to a wingsuit tunnel and start to coach wingsuits? I was really lucky, to be honest, because um, I remember I went there the first time in 17 when it uh, when it just opened. And I just I, I think I, I, I bought a package of five hours or so. And then what basically happened, um, I was flying so much and the instructors didn't have anything to teach me anymore. <laughs> and then um, I think one evening, like one of the owners from the tunnel um, came to the bar and he said, you know what, you're so annoying, Jenna. Either you now stop flying so well or you just start coaching. <laughs> That's literally how it all began in the tunnel. Nice. So I from from basically from one day to the other, I just swapped from being a client to uh, to a coach. That's I mean that's that's pretty awesome though. But I mean this is kind of a sport that lends to opportunities like that, right? Yeah, yeah. I was. I mean, I was. Uh, for me, that was like, uh, oh my god! Like I can work in the wingsuit tunnel, the very first one. So right like a big dream came true. And that's the same way that I got my first gig in the Las Vegas wind tunnel. I was just there so fucking much that they ended up having to pay me. Yeah. I think, I mean, they were so annoyed, you know, like because it was a bit of a a tough one for the coaches, basically like whatever they taught me is like, okay, she just copies it. It's annoying, (laughs) you know? I don't know. I think that's flattering. Right. I mean, and especially if you've got the talent to pull it off. Well, I don't know. It's just, you know, it was like, don't forget that was like the beginning. Uh, like the 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 whole coaching um, wasn't too advanced yet. You know, it was basics. Mm. So, yeah. More men than women coming to learn, I would imagine. Oh, for sure. It's always male dominated. Of right? course. So how much pushback was there being a female coach for a bunch of dudes? I mean, for them, it was great because they they wanted the female as well, because they said they don't want to just have a tunnel run by guys. Sure. So for me, it was definitely a, a lucky thing for sure. Did you find pushback from customers or were the customers just like, no, she's a badass flyer. We want her to teach us. No, actually, I never had that. Like, That's nice. There I can be there. I think I can con, I can call myself very lucky. I never really had this thing of, uh, oh, she's a uh, female. Um, let's not uh, get coached by her. That's awesome. And and that seems to be predominantly how it is nowadays. I just remember how it used to be back in the day. You'd get those guys that were too macho for their own fucking good and didn't yeah. want to be taught anything by a woman. I think, yeah. But I think it also, you know, it all depends <laughs> on how you, how you approach like a male or in sure. general guys. I mean, if you show up being a bit shy and very much into like, oh, hey, uh, can I, you know? <laughs> sure. So now you get somebody, you say you get somebody like me that's got a lot of jumps, but zero experience in a wingsuit and they show up in the tunnel. What are the things they need to be thinking about prior to? Like, what are you, what are you looking for as you're teaching someone to get into wingsuiting? For me, it's just, uh, you need to be capable to, to put yourself in the student mode again. You know, mm-hmm. that's it. Like if you're open to learn a new thing, then I think there is no issue at all. Nice. But Got it's it? all it's always the same thing. Like once somebody's in this mindset of, okay, I'm a wingsuit pilot, I got a thousand wingsuit jumps and I'm a badass, I need to be a badass in the tunnel as well. <laughs> so, so they're very uh, much focused on their own uh, mindset instead of actually just being there and thinking, you know what, I forget whatever I know in the sky. This is a new thing. Uh, let's see what she's saying. It's amazing how fucked up the ego can get you, right? Oh, it's, uh, but it's all, I think that's also a guy's thing. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I know, I know women with egos too, but it's predominantly a male thing for sure. sure. (laughs) That's why I love being a female in base. You know, when I'm on the exit, I don't care. (laughs) Nice. 
it's there can be like 10 guys like arguing about their jump and I'm just there you know like oh yeah do whatever you guys want to do I'm just not <laughs> doing my jump nice now <laughs> is the wingsuit tunnel the same as normal tunnels in that um all the skills that you have in the sky have to take on a much more controlled um take to them I mean, I mean obviously you're going to be bouncing off the walls to some degree but is it dramatically more difficult in the tunnel than it is in the sky um i think it's it's different because you really need to learn how to fly very precise and small sure because obviously you got the walls but once you have this it's a very easy uh conversion like if you if you take it out in the sky mm. now the you need to be a bit patient. It takes a while to, so your body can adjust. And I'd imagine it's quite a big transition switching up from the um, entry level and mid level suits to the massive fucking things you guys are flying oh. now. If you if you hit the wall, it's it's gonna be double painful. I can tell you. Huh? God, I mean, <laughs> it's gotta be. It well, oh my god, I've seen nasty falls and hits uh, where I'm like, holy shit, is this person still alive? <laughs> and you know what's the worst? I should be like having this face of like, oh my god, what's happening? And I just start laughing. <laughs> I mean like, oh my god, oh my god, this is so funny, but I'm not supposed to laugh. I'm the coach here. Yeah, no, it's kind of funny. I mean, it's funny right up until unless somebody gets hurt, and then in retrospect, you're like, okay, I'm an asshole for laughing, but it's still fucking funny when it happens. It is, especially when you know nothing happens, but it just like it looked ridiculous. Like how how do you even manage to do this? <laughs> I, I'll tell you what I had a uh, when I was doing my uh, AFF instructor course. Um, one of the guys that was getting his AFF license got busted on a level, and he got really pissed off, saying, "No, the instructor did something that only a skydiver would do, and that's bullshit." And the guy running the course was like. You have no fucking idea what real students will do. Yeah. You never know. It's the most amazing shit. You never know what's coming. That's the thing when you do first flight courses as well, huh? It's just a big surprise. Has to be. It has to be. So now you talked about uh, uh, base jumping. How did that start? Because that's next level. For me, it started in 19, um, actually only after I had, I think, already 2,000 wingsuit jumps, like oh, in wow. the sky, and a couple of hours in the wingsuit tunnel, like way too many hours. But that's when I actually had this feeling of, you know what, I might actually know what I'm doing. I would like okay. to take it to the mountains. Nice. And that's uh, that's when I started. So you, I mean, it was an intentional slow progression for you. The thing is, I never started wingsuiting uh, with the thought of I want to be a wingsuit base jumper. Never. What I was... think I had so much to learn in the sky. And I never really had this feeling of uh, now I'm ready to take it to the mountains. Was there so a, I... a particular moment that you remember where you're like, all right, fuck, I got to do this? Um. Yes. Somehow, actually... At this, you know, I got, as I said, I got a lot of hours in the tunnel. And at some point, I really thought, like, I can basically, I can fly any position I want to fly, like, at any speed. So <laughs> at some point, like, this should be not that difficult taking it to the mountains. Sure. <laughs> and, then, you know, I progressed very slowly. Like, I didn't just, you know, I didn't just go straight to Brento, took a wingsuit and uh, good luck. But um, yeah, somehow it just it felt very natural to me. Did you do a, a base course, or did you just know the right people by then? And and no, I had to... like a, I had like a one on one with a mentor. Nice, nice. Yeah, I didn't I didn't, uh, didn't want to do a course just because I felt like base is something I would like to do just with one person, you know, and not like being with twenty other people and being loud, and then maybe even being pushed into into things you don't really want to do but then you do it because you got 20 people looking at you is like come on you can do it yeah yeah i never really thought about that i mean uh i i suppose i haven't really thought a whole lot about base courses but i would imagine the larger the course the more chance there is for peer pressure yeah i, th I think so and that's why for me it was clear i just want to do it with one person i can trust 
And then also, you know, do the things I want to do, because for me, like, I'm not going to do like a backflip of a bridge because just because I don't do these things. Right. So yeah, it was just, you know, I'm, I'm going to do the low things, but eventually I want to just put on my wingsuit. Sure. Now, what was your very first base jump? Where or when? Um, where and when? Uh, the very first one was in the Netherlands from an antenna. <laughs> okay. All right. 2019. And I, I did, I think, around 10 antenna jumps. And I really thought, like, fuck this. <laughs> I want to go to Brento. Like, I want to just base jump my wingsuit. Sure. So I think after two weeks or so, after we did the low stuff, we went to Brento. And uh, yeah, that's when it all started. You know, it's funny, base jumping um, was popular enough when I got started. I was going and, and watching Bridge Day and videos were coming out of guys doing antenna jumps. and None of that appealed to me at all. It just, it yeah. looked just freaky. I didn't, it, it just wasn't something that I wanted to do. It didn't actually start looking appealing until the first time I watched a video of somebody jumping off of Angel Falls. And yeah. then... Then all I'm thinking, and again, this is before base specific gear was even out. All I'm thinking is, fuck, you got time for a reserve off of that thing if you yeah. needed it. Right. Yeah. That that was when I was like, oh, I could do that. But by then I had already kind of shifted gears and decided that base jumping was just not going to be not in my wheelhouse, which was fine. Um, so you you go about it in what I consider to be a really smart way, and then you make that first few jumps off of something that I would absolutely fucking hate but then yeah. you take it to the mountains and i'm guessing that was next level well the mountains for me were like okay this is where i belong right you know that felt that felt very natural because when i was jumping off the antenna i really thought like why am i even doing this <laughs> now you're doing a, a whole pack job to be like what is it two three seconds in like free not, not even in free fall it's subterminal yeah so I just didn't really understand like why I would continue doing these kind of low jumps. I mean, if you like it, then it's okay, but I maybe do one low jump a year and then I'm terrified. Right. I'm going to go into like a full frog position. And basically I already reached a pilot shoot before I even pushed off. (laughs) (laughs) It was, that was the thing that never appealed to me. Right. As I was thrilled with my skydiving career when I got past that, almost adrenaline overload where you're just barely hanging on. And I got past it into the where I was still nervous before I jumped, but I was comfortable. And then I got to where in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, the nerves are back there somewhere, but I'm having fun and I'm really comfortable. That was when I was thrilled to be a skydiver. So I couldn't imagine going into base jumping and just being at that fuck me phase the whole time. (laughs) But I'm never like that. uh. Like never. Like for me it's just it's something very relaxing you know <laughs> no it's i know it sounds silly but it's you know you're on a hike you're in nature and the flight down is sometimes even yeah it, it can be really relaxing sure oh i can understand um so i'm assuming that that first time you stepped off of brento the instant you stepped off the cliff you knew yeah straight away any nerves yeah. standing at the exit point yeah, for sure. I was that was a complete mess. Huh? <laughs> Brento, you know, it can be. It looks like a massive ball, and it can be quite intimidating. And it's high. So no, I was a mess. Like I was standing there. I think, just yeah. Like, why am I doing this? Like, do sure. I really want to do this? Like, is it safe? <laughs> so. It was good once I was in free fall, but the, the push off the cliff was, uh, I was happy nobody was on the exit. <laughs> I like it. So now your your parents came around to uh, appreciating and then even uh, joining in your skydiving career. What did they think when you told them, hey, I'm going to start doing the really dangerous stuff now? Yeah. So there is actually where I did a small mistake. Um I never mentioned my parents that I'm jumping off cliffs. I always said when, you know, when I go jumping, but I just didn't add this word. Space. Mountain space, which 
by now I realize it was a big mistake but you know for me it was mainly um, because I knew my mom will be completely worried and I don't want to uh, make her bad her days bad because of this so I didn't mention but then obviously with the internet I think two years ago or so by now she saw a video really and she did not see a good video she saw you know the the video of me flying through the crack which is not the nicest video if you see your own daughter going through these walls yep um so yeah that was a massive discussion and um some difficult times but then i just tried to approach them you know like basically in a way trying to be super honest and open and also letting them letting them know what kind of jumps i'm doing and explain them more and now they're at the stage where uh, they sometimes even join me to Lauterbrunn to watch me jump. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, I tell you what, hats off to your parents, because yeah. if if my daughter came to me and said, it's you want to... Yeah, it's not always easy. I do sometimes catch, especially my mom, uh, she wants to hide her emotions, but I, sure. feel it, I feel it, especially when she says goodbye. And, you know, we don't really uh, then talk about it because she's also aware of if she actually starts showing the emotions, it's going to really mess with my uh, mindset because sure. obviously I love my parents. I love my family. Um, all I want them is actually, you know, to not be worried. Sure. But uh, yeah, there I, it's not a lot, but here or there I do have these moments with them. Sure. I got a tough question for you. Yeah. What if What if they put their foot down and said, you need to stop. Well, they no, they actually never tried. And you know why? Um, when uh, they came to Lauterbrunn and they saw me after landing, they realized like, wow, like she is so happy. Mm. All the time when I came back from base jumping um, for dinner or something, they just, they noticed how happy I am. Sure. So for them, I think... It would be a very easy thing to say, like, you shouldn't do this. And sometimes, you know, they still joke, like, yeah, come on, you can stop this soon. <laughs> um, but I think they are very aware of how much base jumping is giving me. Mm. And yeah. there I somehow, I think now I also got their trust because I said, I think I'm, I'm considering myself as a very conservative jumper. Mm. I, I could probably do more, but I just don't want it. Sure. Sure. For me, you know, like sometimes it's uh, a line straight out or just, you know, seeing some trees, but from far is for me more than okay. Sure. Well, now you said that you got busted out because she saw a video online. Is that yeah. because you're, you're kind of all over the place? I mean, you are not what they would call a low profile base jumper. I know. And I have no idea why this stupid Wallenstadt video came up. <laughs> but I think a friend of her actually sent sent the video and she said, orange and black, that's your daughter, isn't it? And then, uh, yeah. Oof. We had, uh, yeah, that was uh, not actually a tough evening, some tough weeks with them. Oh, I bet. But, uh, you know, with, with open and honest communication um, and also help from a friend of mine, you know, uh, who can sometimes explain things a little bit better because I'm getting impatient. Sure. Um, we sort of managed and as said, like, I think they still would be happier with me not base jumping, but of course they're, they're just aware of how much I love it. They're uh, they support it. Nice. Nice. Now where did the transition? Yeah. Right. Now, where did the transition come into uh, from going from a casual base jumper to the level that you're at, because most people would consider you elite level when it comes to what you do. Do they? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. For me, sorry, like for me, base jumping is just you know, it's it's a hobby. I don't <laughs> even really, I don't even really consider myself as of uh, like a, you know, I think I'm doing quite normal kind of flights. Yeah, but normal by whose standards? I know, I know, but well, I don't know. That's actually a tough question. I I still think there are many people doing like way more crazy things than I do. 
Well, I don't necessarily think that it, it's a level of crazy because, I mean, I've met some truly crazy people that aren't doing the type of stuff that you're doing. Um, and then people that I consider completely rock solid sane that are are getting grass stains on their knees flying down fucking mountains, yeah. you know. So I think it's all kind of, you know, the there, there's degrees to all of it. I mean, like, to be honest, like, you know, taking, for example, the, the acro stuff to the mountains for me was not uh, that difficult. But also because I've been doing it, I don't know, like hundreds of times in the sky from the sure. airport. So this transition for me was in particular not difficult um, because of the maneuvers, more getting used to the environment. Mm. So for me, if I'm now like, it sounds a bit strange, but if I'm flying down a mountain on my back or on my belly, for me, in this case, doesn't make a massive difference because I'm just so used to it. Sure. Well, I mean, I suppose you can equate that to, to say, just your average thousand jump skydiver no longer has to think about exiting an aircraft stable, right? And that's that's exactly for, like for me it feels so natural you know if either i'm on the belly or on the back or i'm I'm doing like a, a transition it's just it's very natural well yeah and and i'll tell you what the logical brain that i have tells me that you're completely right but the one watching the videos just can't wrap my head it just doesn't make sense to me <laughs> yeah, but I, I sort of understand sure now, have you ever on any of these jumps, it, was there a jump that kind of pushed you towards what you consider a more conservative type of flying? Have you scared yourself? Actually, I can touch wood, but in base, I never had a moment where I thought, uh, okay, I need to take a step back. Not once so far. That's good. And I have about, I think I just did my base jump number uh, 555. Wow. And no, so far, like there, like with all honesty, um not once that's either really really good or you're batshit crazy <laughs> i think there i can be honest to myself and you know i do get scared as well that's but good somehow, somehow in base um so far you know i never really had low pulls or or things where i thought like oh this was a bit too close but i think just because i approach it very conservative Sure. Well, now, as a, as a non-base jumper, explain to me what not too low is. Well, I do have my rule. For example, I uh, I do want to be on the canopy for a minimum 35 to 40 seconds. <laughs> okay. I know for you this is low, but if you jump in Lauterbrunnen, other people have a standard of eight seconds. Sure, of course. Oh, absolutely. Oh, it's... That looks like a human is impacting into the ground any seconds. Oh, trust me. I know I've watched the videos and it's funny because the older I get, the more I feel like the little old worried dad as I watch my friends doing these things. And of course, to them, it's just another day and it's a very mellow jump and, and uh, they're being conservative. But to me, holy fuck. No, I don't think there is anything conservative when you pull your canopy that low. I don't think so either. No, no, no. Like this is no, no way. Some of it, I'll tell you what, again, I'm so torn between the two because I'm so impressed with some of the things that I, I see. Um, it, like uh, I watched a video not that long ago of Danny Roman swooping past a grass field with a bunch of people videoing, then flaring uh, and then turning around and landing on that grass oh, field. field. Yeah, that was really cool. I mean, and I even said, I, I think I commented, I'm like, fuck me, Danny, to which he just laughed, but it blew me away. You know, I was literally floored. That was super amazing. I really enjoyed this as well. And it, it's, it's in, if you haven't seen the video, look up Danny Roman stuff and check it out because it, yeah. I can't describe it in a way that does it justice. It just, nothing looked right to me coming yeah. from the skydiving world. I'm like, no way did you just fly 30 feet over their heads and then open your parachute yeah. and land with them. Yeah. yeah so now real, but I really liked it as well. That was, it was super impressive. And I mean, it's Danny Roman. So he's doing all kinds of uh, crazy things for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you see stuff that you're, you're watching it going, no, that's just way too much for me. Or are you the same as me? And you just really appreciate what these guys are doing. 
I think I have a bit of both. I uh, really appreciate the the video, if especially if it's a nice edit, you know, mm. and you see a little bit more of the story behind everything. Um, but like obviously here there there are things where I'm like, okay, like really, is yeah. this? Like, do you really need to do this now? Yeah. Um, I mean, at the end, like everyone should do whatever they want, but it's like, it's not, I'm not looking at all videos thinking like, thank you so much. I really appreciate right. it. For sure. Is, is social media bad or good? Um, I like it for the job and basically it's for me a sales tool, but, um, for private things, I'm not a big fan of it. Do you think uh, uh, social media has driven way too many people um, without experience into your sport? Yeah, I yeah for sure. I think so. Especially, um, I think a lot of people jump for the video. I'd say a fair amount oh, of them. Yeah. Basically, I th yeah I don't know like because I I go actually quite often to the valley without the camera, and then <laughs> I even get the, the question like, why do you not have a camera? I was like, yeah, why? What do I want to film? The grass below me? <laughs> well, so I don't think it's per se always a good thing, social media, because I do believe it's nice and it can be very motivating, but you also need to really, you know, make a difference between what's reality and what's, you know, just social media. I'd be interested to see if there's a correlation between a spike in fatalities in base and the rise of social media and the popularity in terrain flying videos. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there you saw a bunch huh? like of these terrain uh, flying videos where, you know, sometimes, which also for me is a bit hard to see. Then, you know, you see like you read the comments like, oh, dude, this is amazing. This is next level and so on. But on the other hand, you know that everybody's talking about this person being on the list anytime soon. Sure. So I have here there a tough time with, you know, you motivate, motivate, motivate with all these comments and shares, but then the person is dead. Yeah. Because I, I just don't like somehow I don't get why you cannot just tell a person, you know what? Like if you're happy with this, do it. But I think you just should stop flying this close. Yeah. I mean, obviously you can't, a big part of base and the mentality behind it is you do your own thing and, and you don't tell anybody else what to do, but yeah. there's also that big part of you that, and I'm sure you're exactly the same. I've lost a lot of friends uh, to base accidents um, mm -hmm. and you wish you could just turn back the clock and go, do you really need to do this? Like, yeah. do you really need to push that fucking hard? Yeah. Um and I think part of it, even for the guys that are the best of the best, there's this push because of social media to come up with the next amazing thing. For sure. You know, um, I agree. one I of mean the things that I'd love to see so much now is a lot of the, the pair flying and the teams that are pulling away from the mountain a bit, but doing all these incredible things at a, I dare say, safer distance from the terrain. That's a good thing, I think, about acro because it pulls you a bit away from the cliff automatically. Yep. It does, because obviously you do need a bit of margin. And I mean, so far, thankfully, I've never seen anyone flying as a pair like a meter above the ground doing sure. transitions and stuff. Sure. I hope it stays like this. But uh, no, I, I mean, it, it can be great for sure, especially I always love seeing people flying as a pair. You know, I think it also, in a way, can keep you safe. Sure. Well, I mean, my my favorite pair ever to watch was Matt and Nick, um, yeah. the most incredible dynamic flyers. And and uh, on the the occasions when you'd be able to see through the visor and and get a look yeah. at their faces, there were always smiles. There was always you could just see the pure joy just fucking yeah. vibrating off of those guys. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. And it has to be like that. I mean, to to be able to to share that so intimately in the moment. Well, I mean, obviously I had it as well. Yes. Um, and I mean, it is great. Like, it's fantastic if you can share, like, jumps with somebody, like, being so close to you uh, without even needing to com communicate. Right. Like, this is also now, like, you know, a, a thing, a thing, 
I think I will miss in future. But um, I actually did a couple of jumps with Nick recently in Dubai, and it's it felt really amazing because you had this like somehow strange connection. Sure. That's that's got to be really strange, right? I mean, to to have a connection that's tied to nothing but loss, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it honestly, it's it's also very difficult to describe. But I think once you meet the person like who went through the same, you just know. Sure. I mean, I've never been able to put myself in in the shoes of a base jumper, but as a skydiver that's lost friends. Yeah. And continued skydiving, I guess I understand, but I think it's got to be so much more intense, um, especially when uh, you flew with your partner for, you know, such amazing jumps and Nick and Matt were, I mean, they were the Nick and Matt show, you know, yeah. so, uh, you just didn't think of one without the other. And and so, um, and you're, yeah, you looked at the units or like as a pair, yeah. Absolutely, and and I I watch videos of of uh, Nick jumping now with um, such joy that he's loving what he's doing, but always a, a sense of sadness, right? Yeah. And I guess that's never gonna that doesn't go away, and it probably shouldn't go away. That's kind of what makes it so special. Yeah, it's it's actually it's interesting because I also I started jumping again quite quick. Um, just because I didn't want to lose the joy of, of my passion. Mm. Um, and then I, I, I do need to say, I found a lot of joy in, in jumping with other people again as well, but it's just different, you know, sure. it's, it's different, but I think, you know, you should never really compare things. And for me, I just now look at, look at it in a way where, you know, it was a great time. And I carry it with me. Sure. Um, but, you know, now everything else uh, is also fun. And I had to learn it again, though, because first of all, I thought like, okay, now with who am I going to jump with? Is it going to be fun again? And um, actually, the first trip I did to Dubai, I realized, oh, I, you know, I still have fun. It's good, you know. Which is huge. And I mean, I, I know it sounds cliche, but the ones that we've lost would not want us to stop doing what we love because they're not here anymore. Yeah. I, they'd I'm be, they'd be horrified. Yeah. I mean, every friend that I've lost to skydiving would be fucking horrified if they knew I hung up jumping because they weren't with us anymore. Yeah. I, I do. I do agree. And, you know, like I, I had a lot of people thinking it wasn't smart of me already base jumping again two weeks after. But for me, it was so important. Sure. Like, I really felt like, okay, I, you know, like this is, I love, I love it. And I do need to, to feel this, this passion again. Like if I'm just waiting, it's going to be worse and worse. Well, if you had walked away from it, I think that's something that uh, you would regret forever. At yeah. least if you go back and you make that jump and land from that jump after the fact and go, maybe it's time to change, then it's yeah. different. But you can't just walk away from it without knowing for sure. No. no, and by now, I you know, it's different, but I really, I find a lot of joy. Which is what it's about. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, we do what we do because we take joy in it. We're never going to get fucking rich. We're never going to be any more than slightly famous within our own very, very small community. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's it's got to be for the joy of it. Or what else are you doing it for? Fucking YouTube hits? No, no. But I think I, ne I never really jumped for videos in general. Yeah, which is commendable and not always the case <laughs> well, I, yeah that's that's true but no i mean now like you know i even i just enjoy with jumping ran with jumping random people like sure. i don't care at all sure as long now, as i can land and i have a laugh it's perfect and you're still coaching in the tunnel yeah uh not in the tunnel for now like okay. I, did, uh, I did a bit of a break because uh we did a lot of camps i think almost 40 camps in three years Jesus. So I was a bit uh, not burnt out, but I had enough of tunnel air. Sure. And that's why I wanted to focus again on skydiving coaching. Nice. Um, yeah, that's what I'm doing at the moment. Now, uh, just out of uh, curiosity, with the, the tunnel, uh, do you get non-skydivers coming in to learn how to fly wingsuits in that tunnel? Sometimes, but it's definitely more uh, a pro flyer area. Like I was going to say, because... 
you tunnel, guys go ahead book, go ahead sorry yeah sorry the tunnel is mainly booked with pro flyers it's cool. just yeah that's I was going to say, because I couldn't imagine how many uh, of the guys that come out to make that first tandem going, all I want to do is learn how to fly the suit down the mountain. No, no you, I mean, you see that at the drop zone. That's why people start the AFF these days, right? Mm. Because they want to be this cool wingsuit base jumper. Sure. But well, uh, in the tunnel, not. No, it's mainly just wingsuiters who want to improve their flying. Um, and again, what about uh, um, people like me that would be considered a professional skydiver but never touched a wingsuit? Are you getting that quite a lot? Yeah, that is that. That's actually that's quite often because I think a lot of people are afraid to put on a wingsuit and jump out of the plane. And with the tunnel, they basically can take a bit the fear away of flying, having the wingsuit on, feeling a bit how it feels, having the the arms and uh, legs like locked. Sure. So um, I think it's it's a good thing sometimes, even if somebody wants to do a first flight course. But then um, they do one hour prior in the tunnel just to get comfortable in the suit. Sure. Well, I remember um, when I actually uh, had asked uh, about learning to fly the wingsuit, I asked the late, great Micah Couch uh, out of Dubai, um, who was a friend. And and I'm like, hey, so um, maybe sometime when you're out in the desert, uh, you could, you know, put me in one of the smaller suits and we could go for a jump. And Micah being Micah is like, dude, I got one of my suits right here. You could just get on the next load with me. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Better not. Better not. No, I... Yeah, I'm like, full stop, motherfucker, no. <laughs> sure, just take my suit. No briefing, nothing. Just give it a go. Oh, I guarantee you would have given me a briefing, but it would have been on the way to the plane. Yeah, like it. <laughs> minutes briefing. Well, you know, that's kind of the the funny thing, though, is, is people assume that when you get to a certain number of jumps, you can just handle whatever's coming at you in the sky. You know, and so when people ask me how many jumps you've gotten, I say 12,000. They assume, oh, this guy fucking knows what's up in the sky, not uh, taking into account 8,000 of those jumps are tandems. Uh huh. Yeah. But I mean, that's why I said you need to put everyone into the student's position. Everyone, yes. no matter how many jumps. Yes. Well, and, and coming from my perspective, being a student again is fun. I like sucking at stuff. But me too. I love learning. Yes. And even now in the wingsuit, I'm still, you know, I love to learn new things. Well, and as these suits evolve and evolve and evolve, I'd imagine the learning process is never ending, isn't it? Oh, I, I personally do believe like once you're in this mindset of you don't need to learn anymore, um, that's maybe when you should stop coaching. That's maybe when you should stop jumping and go take or, up golf. The, yeah, even this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you've got uh, nothing left to learn, give it up. It's like in everything you can, you know, you can learn something like uh, on the canopy, like in general, I think the more you're, the, the more open you are, the better and safer, nice. especially. Nice. So now as a professional wingsuit coach uh, in the sky now, how do people um, book time with you? How do they come out and jump with you? How do they follow you on social media? What's, what's the path to get to you? Well, most people contact me on Instagram. Oh. Instagram. Uh, I don't even, I'd never check the numbers on my website, maybe even through the website. I don't know. I just get messages on Instagram. Super easy. <laughs> or they see me at the drop zone and they're like, oh, oh, you're this, uh, this wingsuit chick. Uh, can you <laughs> Like, sure. This wingsuit chick. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, sometimes a bit shy even. It's like, yeah, for sure. We can, uh, you know, you can book me. That's no issue at all. That's cool. You, I mean, I, I will admit, usually I get a lot of my guests through Instagram, just to, whether they're friends or not, I approach them that way. But you got thrown under the bus by Ty. Oh, yes. That's actually my favorite story about this whole uh, interview and and uh, chat that we've gotten to have was I literally got a message from Ty going, she says she really fucking doesn't want to do your show. Here's her number messenger. And then I literally messaged you and he was telling me, oh, she's going to kill me. She's responding. <laughs> well, I'm not in Dubai yet, but uh yeah, I think I definitely will. Uh, he's going to get that, get that back for sure. Slap him right across the face for me. Well, give, me a, give him a big kiss on the cheek and then slap him. 
Yeah, for me. <laughs> you, but you know how we met, huh? No, no, please tell me. That was, uh, I think, that was actually a Sunday, and that was for the first time in a very long time jumping slick without a wingsuit. Oh, wow. Um, and I landed, and I said to a friend of mine, um, dude, like, I really need to put on the wingsuit again because I'm getting a ground rush from these openings without a suit. <laughs> so <laughs> I've heard the guy on my left uh like just giggling so i looked over it's like why are you laughing it's like yeah just because i just heard this conversation that's how we started to talk oh that's funny it's that's... like because of my fear of a ground brush i thought you were going to tell me uh, you didn't have your wingsuit on and he dropped you long and you didn't make it back <laughs> no but i did i did do wingsuit jumps with him i think on wednesday which was hilarious Nice. Yeah, he said basically he's he's been uh, hitting you up for coaching and stuff. So is he any good or does he suck? Tell me he sucks. Well, now it's recorded. <laughs> That's a bit mean, huh? No, like, okay, you know, I think he still has a lot to learn, but his flying is pretty decent and he's a quick learner, sometimes actually annoying. Oh, see, yeah, that's not nearly as funny as I was hoping for. Just the the best thing, like if you ever tell him to basically copy what you do in a wingsuit and he's doing it, you see him flipping over. <laughs> I like that. It was kind of the same teaching him how to fly the otter. It's like just Ty, do the salmon. And you just see him like bouncing around in his suit and almost flipping over and goes head down. It's like, Stop doing this. He sent me... He sent me one video of him kind of on his back spinning out of control for a little bit that got me he gave oh, me a good giggle. That wasn't that one though. <laughs> not not with me. Well, once he was a bit out of control, but he fixed it. Ah, oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm thoroughly glad that he threw you under the bus for the conversation. This has been great. I've really enjoyed it and I'm glad you took the time. Thank you. I really enjoyed it actually. So it was not as bad as I thought. Yeah, see, I I don't know if I should be insulted by that, but everybody says the same thing. Well, that wasn't nearly as bad as I was expecting. No, no. <laughs> it's just, you know, sometimes you need to push me a bit and then it's fine. Ah, fair enough. Well, hey, like I said, I, I really thank you for the time and uh, I'll be looking forward to following your adventures as they continue. Thank you so much. You take care. Yes, you too. Thank you. And there you have it, another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void brought to you as always by, and say it with me, fuck yeah, NZ Aerosports. Head to nzaerosports.com. By Pussfoot. That's right, head to Pussfoot.com, the Extreme Sports Collective, and check out everything they've got to offer. By SummitParachuteSystems.com. Jarrett Martin and the family cranking out amazing pilot rigs, as well as incredible rigging courses. And now joining the Lunatic team, it's the one and only Tony Suits. You know them, you love them. Head to TonySuit.com. Check out all the amazing standards, as well as the new incredible signature line they've got going on. And as for us, the Lunatic Fringe is now on YouTube. That's right, you're going to have the chance to put faces to the audio by heading to YouTube.com and looking up the Lunatic Fringe Podcast. It's easy. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, check out all the amazing videos from the previous guests that we've had, as well as new and upcoming interviews on video. As always, I am the fucking pilot. Head to thefuckingpilot.net or theprincesspilot.com. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time around.